You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. This is highlights from our weekly service. It was on a Friday that they ended it all. Of course, they didn't do it one by one. They weren't brave enough. All the stones at one time, or no stones thrown at all. They did it in crowds, in crowds where you can feel safe and lose yourself and shout things you would never shout on your own and do things you would never do if you felt the camera was watching you. It was a crowd in the church that did it, and a crowd in the civil service that did it, and a crowd in the street that did it, and a crowd on the hill that did it, 
and he said nothing. He took the insults, the bruises, the spit on the face, the thongs on the back, the curses in the ears. He took the sight of his friends turning away, running away. And he said nothing. He let them do their worst until their worst was done, as on Friday they ended it all, and would have finished themselves had he not cried, Father, forgive them, and begun the revolution. A very warm welcome to everyone watching this service. This is our commemoration of the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, what can we say? How can we make sense of your death? You who were the model of perfect humanity, put to death so needlessly, just as were the prophets before you. Forgive our fretful, selfish, judgmental natures, the very natures which could not bear the measure of your goodness, who needed you to die to assuage their fear of you. May your passion bring us to our senses. Help us to see that there is another way of goodness, truth and faith. Let this day be the beginning of the rest of our lives, made whole and full of promise by the gift of your sacrifice. Amen. After our first hymn, which will appear on the screen, uh, we shall hear of the passion and death of Jesus, after which we will keep one minute's silence so that we can absorb what we've heard. And that, this will be followed by a simple chant. Again, it will appear on the screen.
Hear the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. One of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I betray him to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver, and from that moment he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where do you want us to make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? Jesus said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, he took his place with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed, and began to say to him, one after another, Surely not I, Lord. Surely not I, Lord. Surely not I, Lord. Jesus answered, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. Judas, who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus replied, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in, the fa in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all become deserters because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, 
So could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again he went away for the second time and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Arrest him. At once he came up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you are here to do. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. Suddenly one of those with Jesus put his hand on his sword, drew it and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled, which say that it must happen in this way? At that hour Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But all this has to take place so that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, in whose house the scribes and the elders had gathered. But Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards in order to see how this would end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death, but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it up in three days. The high priest stood up and said, have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But Jesus was silent. Then the high priest said to him, I put you under oath before the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, 
he has blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? You have now heard this blasphemy. What is your verdict? They answered. He deserves death. death. Then they spat in his face and struck him. Some slapped him, saying, Prophesize to us, you Messiah. Messiah. Who is it that struck you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him and said, You also, also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before all of them, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. When he went out to the porch, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to curse, and he swore an oath. I do not know the man. At that moment, the cock crowed. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus in order to bring about his death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he repented and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. He said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. Throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury, since they are blood money. After conferring together, they used them to buy the potter's field as a place to bury foreigners. For this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then it was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of the one on whom a price had been set on whom some of the people of Israel had set a price, and they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord commanded me. Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You say so? But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many accusations they make against you? But he gave them no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. 
Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. So after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he realised that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him. Have nothing to do with that innocent man, for today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. 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 Pilate said to them, Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? All of them said, Let, Let him, be, him crucified. be crucified. Then he asked, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more. Let him, Let let him, him be, be crucified. crucified. So when Pilate saw that he could do nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Then the people as a whole answered, his blood, His be, blood on be on us and, and on our, our children. children. So he released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole cohort around him. They stripped him, put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand and knelt before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. After mocking him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they came upon a man from Cyrene named Simon. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided his clothes among them by casting lots. Then they sat down there and kept watch over him. Over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two bandits were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. 
In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God, let him deliver him now if he wants to, for he said, I am God's son. The bandits who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, This man is calling for Elijah. At once one of them ran and got a sponge, put it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and said, Truly, this man was God's son. Many women were also there looking on from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee and had provided for him. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. So Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn in the rock. He then rolled a great stone to the door of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember what that imposter said when he was still alive. After three days I will rise again. Therefore, command the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may go and steal him away and tell the people he has been raised from the dead. And the last deception would be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went with the guard, 
and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone. This is a reflection written by Cathy Galloway from the book Holy Week with the Iona Community. There are many stories within the Good Friday Gospel. Two in particular stand out for me. One is characterised by presence and compassion. The other is characterised by absence and silence. The first 
is a story of accompaniment. It is the story of those who loved Jesus, his community of friends and his family. It is about the women who had followed Jesus from Galilee and had provided for him, who had anointed him for death, who had accompanied him on the way of the cross and watched from a distance as he suffered his terrible agony and death. It is about that good man of means, Joseph of Arimathea, himself wrapping Jesus' body in a linen sheet and laying him in his own tomb. And it is about that other good man, Nicodemus, giving of his substance so that Jesus might have a decent burial according to custom. It's about John, the beloved disciple, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, giving comfort to one another. It's about women weeping together and watching where Jesus was led. It's about Mary Magdalene, watching and waiting. This story of presence and compassion, of accompaniment in suffering, of just being there, doing small, ordinary, important, practical things, is one that the Iona community had the privilege of observing in the J. L. Zwayne Presbyterian Church in Guguluetu, South Africa. This is a church which has made her faithful decision to have a ministry of presence and compassion to, peeping, to people living with HIV AIDS in that community. Her huge commitment in a township where the infection rate is something like 25%. Many people live in extreme poverty and the kind of treatment available in the West is either too expensive or just unavailable. We have so much to learn from this model of accompaniment, not least from its holistic nature, which cares for the whole person and engages a whole community. But being alongside people in compassion and care does not only happen in Gigluetu. It happens wherever people stand beside others in solidarity. Watch through long nights with them. Prepare food for those too weary or ill or despairing to do it themselves. Look after the children for a while. Read to a friend. Or simply offer an encouraging word or smile or hug or shoulder to lean on. It happens when people respect one another's wishes, preserve their confidences, protect their need for solidarity and privacy, refrain from telling them how to solve their problems or live their lives, 
This ministry of presence and compassion is not particular to Christians or of any one nationality or culture. It is perhaps the best flowering of our mutual humanity, the highest regard that human beings can offer one another. And yet, at its heart, there is a kind of powerlessness. It is the powerlessness of people in Gugoletu in the face of catastrophically unjust world economic order, which puts uncalculable resources into protecting the interests and profits of those powerful of the world, and almost nothing by comparison into overcoming poverty and preventable or treatable disease. It is the powerlessness of being confronted with violence at every level, irrational, intractable, unpredictable in its outcome, breeding only more violence. It is the powerlessness of a mother watching her child die, or indeed anyone we love die. It is the powerlessness of our own inadequacy and frailty in the face of the deep hurt of others, in the face of all that we cannot prevent or solve. It is the powerlessness of Mary and John and Joseph of Arimathea, of Nicodemus and Mary Magdalene. Because theirs is the other story, the story of absence and silence. The story of presence and compassion is inextricably linked to that other story of suffering and death, but it is not the same. Where Jesus went now, his friends could not follow. This is the silence of isolation, the absence of being in a different place. There's an American spiritual that says, Jesus walked this lonesome valley. He had to walk it by himself. Or nobody else could walk it for him. He had to walk it by himself. In the face of the mystery of human suffering, the other authentic response along with compassion is silence. None of us can really describe what the reality of suffering is for another. To keep silent is not to minimise or disrespect another's suffering, far less to be commonplace in the face of it, or to believe that we are thereby relieved of the need to keep working to overcome all the causes preventable suffering. It is rather to recognise that suffering and death a part of the human condition. Indeed, 
they are the only inescapable part. T.S. Eliot famously said that human beings cannot bear very much reality. And perhaps that is why we have so many stories or theologies about suffering and death, and some of which are bleak indeed, all of which are ultimately inadequate. And the ruthlessness of the executioners, the moral recognition of the bystanders, the sentimentality of the crowd, the excitability and sometimes sadism of the commentators, even the compassion of the companies are all also ultimately inadequate to save us from the reality of suffering and death. You must go and stand your trial. You have to stand it by yourself. Or nobody else can stand it for you. You have to stand it by yourself. The American spiritual continues. We who are Christians give a special meaning to the suffering and death of Jesus. We recognise that beyond all our our evasion, our evasions and explanations, it has the capacity to confront us with the absolute certainty of death. The memory of that, which is intolerable to us, is remembered in Christ's body, in which is named all the violence of the world, the broken and unremembered victims of tyranny and sin. The absence and silence of Christ's death bring us face to face not only with our own profoundest grief, but with the reality of all suffering, all evil, all pity and all sorrow. The cross is a symbol of all the worst of human violence and fear can do to goodness and innocence. beyond even that. It is the entry into the depths of my own potential for violence and corruption, into my nameless imaginings and my darkest fears of punishment, betrayal, abandonment and the terror of the unknown, into the destruction of all life and love. Even to stand unprotected beside the cross for a moment is almost unbearable. My God, my God, why did you abandon me? But confronted with our own powerlessness in the face of death, behold, here is a mystery. In embracing the reality of death, there is a gift of enormous power and agency. Can it be that the power of transformation is most active, is strongest, precisely in the absence and in the silence? That is a question 
for another day. In the meantime, we live with two Good Friday narratives side by side. The first speaks of the tasks of compassion and presence. And it's summed up by Adrienne Rich from the book Natural Resources. My heart is moved by all I cannot save. So much has been destroyed. I have to cast my lot with those who, age after age, perversely, with no extraordinary power, reconstitute the world. The second is the narrative of absence and silence. And this is a poem written by John L. Bell from his book, You Have Been Here Before. Though hope desert my heart, though strangeness fill my soul, though truth torment my troubled mind, you have been here before. The confidence run dry, though weary flesh be sore, the conversations bear no fruit. You have been here before. There is no threatening place, no trial I could know, which has not known your presence first. You have been here before. I will not dread the dark, the fate beyond control, nor fear what rains and frightening things you will be there before. And now is the time for our intercessions. Let us pray to our God, who loved the world so much that he sent his only Son to give us life for us and for all people. The response to Lord, hear us is Lord, graciously hear us. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Simon of Cyrene was forced to carry the cross of your son. Give us the grace to lift heavy loads off those we meet and to put ourselves with those condemned to die. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Your son watched the soldiers gamble to share his clothes. Look with your forgiveness on those who make a profit from their victims and on those whose hearts may be hardened by their work. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. The thief looked for a part in the coming of your kingdom 
and received your son's words of hope and comfort. Give hope and reconciliation, healing and peace to all who look death in the face today. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. In Mary and John, your son created a new family at the cross. Fill our relationships and those of new families today with mutual care and responsibility and give us a secure hope for the future. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. The centurion was astonished to see your glory in the crucified Messiah. Open the eyes of those who have not yet found you to see in your Son the meaning of life and of hope beyond death. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Nicodemus joined with those who took your son's body away. Give gentleness, hope and faith to all who minister to the dying and bereaved and courage to those whose faith has to be secret. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Simon and Nicodemus, Mary and John, became part of your church in Jerusalem. May your church today be filled with such different people, united by the cross and celebrating our unity in your Son with all your saints in glory. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. We remember before God our whole community, especially those who are finding social isolation painful and debilitating, that they remember that they are loved and valued by our church and by Jesus, who loved them enough to die for them. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Let us pray for everyone named in our book of prayers, in all their needs, their desires and longings. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. And now let us say together the prayer that Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, now and for ever. Amen. Father and Mother of the Church, hear our prayers and make us one in heart and mind to serve you in Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus often reassured his disciples, and therefore us, not to be afraid. He offered to counter our fear his special gift of peace. Let us now raise our hands and touch the screen in front of us. 
so that all who have joined in this occasion of remembrance are able to offer to each other a sign of community, spiritual recognition and of Christ's peace. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with us all, now and forever. Amen. Let us say together and to each other the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. And now our final prayer. God of life and death, God of now and of eternity, we worship you.
holy trinity of light and life and love, three in one and one in three, empower us in your service. Draw us, hold us, and enfold us in your love and never let us go. So strengthened may we be your hands and heart and love in the world. And may the power of the Holy Spirit come upon you. May the glory of the Lord shine upon you. May the friendship of Jesus accompany you through times both dark and light. And the blessing of God, Creator, Son and Holy Spirit, be with you and remain with you, today and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about what we do, you can find us on social media or visit our website, northernlightsmcc.org.uk.